Hello, welcome to Soma Stories, a podcast vessel for inquiry around the body, hosted by me, Shami. Each episode gathers and weaves various perspectives around a related issue. Our hope is that this podcast will be a space for the practice of listening, an opening of headspace, and a regrounding of self. This fifth and final episode of Soma Stories, for now, is dedicated to avatars, our digital bodies, and what that means for our lives. I'll be speaking with artists Safia Yap and VTuber Kochi Katutir. I'll talk a little then about my work, Young Body. First is VTuber Kochi Katutir, a 2D anime girl with bright orange hair talking about the world of VTubing. VTubing is a form of live streaming in which motion capture is used to control a 2D or 3D virtual avatar. It originated in Japan and was first used by Kitsuna Ai in late 2016. Yes, everyone! Kochi Kochi Katatia in the house, Dinya! I am an animator and artist VTuber. I do live to the animation, art, and a bit of gaming. Yeah. I asked her how she got started. That was about three years ago? Uh, in 2019, before uh, the whole world came to a close. <laughs> Alright, so back then, uh, I was mostly watching Kizuna Ai, as well as uh, Shishigami Ryona. So both are from Japan and uh, back then Kizuna I was like the biggest VTuber. So uh, she's pretty much like the first corporate VTuber that she made it big as well. Mm-hmm. So from there I was like, oh this is actually really interesting, yeah? And back then uh, I was working a lot with like, you know, a lot of different brands uh, in terms of their event stuff and all. I was like, hmm, what if I started becoming VTuber? I have a different source of like, you know, marketing for them and uh, yeah that's how it pretty much started back then so i started with the idea of okay i can create something to help the market products and um, my idea back then was you know looking at some of the vtubers they get endorsements and all and yeah run on those sponsorship endorsements that was my initial plan but things change along the way <laughs> yeah largely uh i'm doing live 2d rigging which is basically making uh live 2d models for other people so most of my clients are like, uh, they want to be VTubers, most of them. <clears throat> so normally I get an artist to draw like the artwork, the model art, and then I'll start to make it move and set it to be motion track with the uh, person's face through a webcam. Setup is easy, but the rigging process can take anywhere from a week to a month plus, depending on the complexity, how much uh, expressions, how many details there are on the model. Uh, this really depends. Some of them want something simpler. Uh, it's usually done within a day or two. Some can take up to two, three months. Yeah. All right. So, uh, back then, uh, when I first started, I was like, a friend like just sort of like designed it for me. I was like, okay, let's just go with this. Uh, of course, with some of my input and all. And eventually, at first, I was actually using voice changer because I wasn't that confident uh, presenting on screen without voice changer and on ya and eventually you know they're like saying the voice changer just sounds so bad <laughs> I don't know how to describe it's just bad like the voice changer just didn't mm, it just didn't convey emotions properly so I decided okay let's just take the voice changer throw it out and let's just go while many VTubers are anime girls some take other forms some VTubers that are actually um like one was a picture of a Nasi Loma, 
So I actually had the like the nasi lemak start to move and talk. <laughs> I and then some were like uh raccoons. We had like uh some were slime. So it really depends on your inspiration. Um, mostly I use Live 2D for the rigging and um, for the tracking. I use PIP Live occasionally VTube Studio. Oh, this can be gotten on the Steam store. Uh, of course, there are like DLC add-ons that cost money. But generally, the main software is free. Definitely, one thing that's grown more than technology is the community. Definitely, when I first started VTubing, there was like... It could literally create a list of like less than 200 VTubers globally. Outside of Japan. <laughs> yeah, English VTubers was like about 200. I think they're like slotting me in between this like... Uh, Gen 2 or something like that, yeah? I wasn't that far off. And, and then it started to like really blow up uh, after the pandemic. As people stuck at home, a lot of people went into streaming. A lot of people start like exploring different things online and that's when I think the VTubing scene really blew up. Yeah. And since then, we have like a lot of people from everywhere in Singapore. There used to be like only two VTubers back then. And right now, I've kind of like lost count. <laughs> but at the same time, I'll say that VTubing has also changed from something that is really... Uh, back then, it was like, oh, everything has to be pretty secret. We don't like show our faces. We don't show our identity. It's very on brand for everything. Yeah? These days, there are people who are like, yeah, we are very strict about our identity. There are some people who are like, oh, let's just show my face. There are some people who are like, I, I started as like, you know, what they call a face cam streamer and actually show their own face and then switch to VTubing and then yeah there's a lot of like different people in the VTubing scene to the point that I don't find VTubing as niche and as um strict as before I know strict isn't the right word yeah it's just that last time people were like oh VTubers you shouldn't show your face VTubers you shouldn't uh, do certain things you need to maintain that character aspect to it yeah right now I find that it's a lot more open VTubing is just like a form of streaming, a form of um, a way of like, you know, representing yourself, a way of like doing content. I no longer see it as like, you know, oh, a VTuber is this very special thing anymore. Yeah. Personally, I just prefer to stay as it is. Mm -hmm. I don't really show everybody who I am in a way, but uh, of course, my own personality leaks out on stream. Everybody knows what I do. Everybody knows uh, the things I collect. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've always liked animation also. That's mostly what I do on stream and I really just enjoy just uh, doing things, doing work on stream, chatting with people in the community as I do my work. It's like, I don't... As much as yes, it's important to have growth numbers and all. When I'm on stream, I don't really care about my numbers in that sense. I just care about, you know, giving my audience the best I can, chatting with them, having fun. And in a way, I also say that this helped me deal with other issues that I do face, which includes like uh, ADHD. I can't focus sometimes. So having like, you know, an, a community and audience watching me stream my work, I can't really like, okay, I'm going to roll on a bit for the next 10 minutes and it becomes two hours. Or I can't go like, all right, let's go to the kitchen and then I stay there for the next three hours and no work gets done. I'm like, so like, you know, okay, stream is on. I cannot stop. So that is pretty much the reason for my length of streams. Um, my length of streams can run from like three to four hours to sometimes twice a day, four hours. 
so appearing at events basically would be uh, uh we have like standees there we do pre-event hype uh, actually like you know do like event videos do streams on the events uh, right now uh we also like discussing actually live streaming and doing coverage for the event itself as well mostly we're looking at uh anime or pop culture related events appearing digitally gives me a lot of different opportunities that you know uh, you won't get under normal circumstances like appearing at overseas events is actually a lot easier actually and you really get a digital level you get to interact with people overseas that i normally wouldn't have interacted with i've worked with artists from the u.s i've worked with artists from uh, germany all right and these are opportunities that was open to me because I go in as a VTuber, started expanding in this VTuber field. Yeah. Mm. Right now, most of my clients are not from Singapore. Most of them are overseas. My local clients are mostly corporate clients, uh, which uh, they don't really need me to like do rigging. It's just more of uh, doing marketing for them. Like recently, uh, Audio Technica, marketing campaign for them with my partner artists. I do have a lot of positives when I actually get to meet a lot of people. Mm. Uh, a lot of people tend to be a lot more honest with themselves when they're VTubers. Mm -hmm. You also have like the other side where that, you know, some people just have this idea, oh, VTuber girl, okay, I can hit on you. All right, and then some of you, yeah, they just get really creepy. So I do get some weird ones. I also have a lot of people who are like, oh, you're a VTuber, you are um digital. Okay, help me sell NFTs. I'm like, no, no crypto, no NFTs. I don't know what you're doing. <laughs> Yeah, so I'll definitely get approached by a lot of different people uh, for being a VTuber as well. Uh, there are guys who use like female characters. Um, yeah, so that also does tip the scale sometimes. Uh, but there are some girls who use male models as well. Mm. Sometimes it's just uh, their preference on what they see. As in a way, like, you know, sometimes when you play games, you're like, oh, we want a hot guy in front of us when you're controlling you. And then for the guys, they probably like want a hot girl. And that sort of feeling, I guess. It's difficult to ignore the gender dynamics present in VTubing. After all, VTubers were predominantly female and made to be companions to a largely male gaming audience. Finally, I asked Kochi what is next for her. Right now, I'm also working on a VR space. Presently, uh, I'm mostly doing my VR stuff in VR chat. I have created like the entire Malayan Park in VR right now. Can actually go to like visit the Malayan Park in VR chat. Absolutely free. I think you can just search Malayan. It should appear. There shouldn't be any other Malayans, I think. <laughs> Alright, so in VR chat, it's a free uh, software you can get from Steam. So it's basically to open up to the world. Uh, what we are doing here as well as we are trying to do more VR-related events. Mm, well, I can't say so much. Uh, I can say that most of the, mostly the whole idea is to create like a space for people to uh, really visit like the Singapore artist scene, the Singapore content creator scene, and a VR space. Next, we hear from artist Safia Yap, who often uses avatars in building their worlds. Hi, my name is Zafia Yap. I am an arts practitioner based in Singapore. My practice is based around world building. I like to call myself a repackager. I'm sort of always in between this pre-writing and post-reading state. 
So I draw information from different different sources of information and piece them together to build a world that's a possible trajectory for our current present. So the world I'm building right now centers text or information that de- deviate from the status quo. Um, they always say a good way to think of the future, that it's already here. So my practice reflects that. My artworks are artifacts from this future world. And in my head, the more artworks I create, the stronger the bridge between this future world, where I'm happy and our present becomes. Their practice has an intimate origin in a childhood filled with gaming. I asked Safia about how these roots grew. When I first started gaming, I played a lot of uh, first-person shooters. And those FPS games, usually the avatar would be male. And it was by default that whoever is playing that avatar would also be male. So I think like being able to embody someone else, as well as a male character for some reason, made me feel more comfortable. And uh, in hindsight, of course, now I know it's probably dysphoria. Uh, in secondary school, laptops became like a sort of mandatory thing to have. So with laptops, you could have a password function. Uh, I think I was able to search questions that I wouldn't be able to ask anyone in my surroundings. And in games, all the games I... Oh, I started to play MMORPG when when I got my laptops. Uh, Massively multiplayer uh, online role-playing game is where you play a game... Uh, as a character, and it, it's an online world. So you play with a lot of other people, and you can customize your character. Uh, you can fight a lot of monsters and whatever, get loot. Yeah, that, that it's like an alternate universe uh, that you can exist in with a fresh new character. So I will, and then as I played more MMORPGs, I, I realized I was very drawn to this game mechanic. Uh, of character customization, and so uh, with puberty and all that, I think that's how I coped with it, coped with dysphoria lah. Like just spending my effort into, I guess my other self or my other avatar, which existed in this game world. Because I think in the game world as well, uh, in because you know in childhood you don't really have a lot of financial power. You can't just buy things. Yeah. Uh, and I was already uncomfortable when I go outside. So, oh, I'm not com- like I'm uncomfortable when I go outside. Like, uh, like because every time I go out, I, uh, it's like part and parcel of dysphoria where you see how people perceive you. Cause I have a, I mean, I go to toilets a lot. So you know, toilets are also in a sort sort of binary. And then when I was a child, you usually would go out with your parents. And, you know, shopping for clothes, all that, it's all very, uh, it wasn't just, I was just very uncomfortable with that whole part lah. Yeah, and, and gaming is like, uh, like offer me a space uh, where I could be free for all that. And I could just kill monsters and I can afford the customizations I want. Like, so some items you buy and then you can like, there's like a whole spectrum. It could be a hair item, it could be a, eyes, it could be legs or whatever. I remember my body would be like like a very big ninja band like that just slings across my body 
And then sometimes I would have like sparkly, I don't know, effects behind me. Yeah, that was quite nice. I think as, you know, as a queer child growing up, you, you, you know, with all the narrative and all, especially if your circle isn't really uh, supportive, you don't feel like you deserve like happiness. So whenever I would want to get something, I would always like double guess myself, even though it's like my own personal thing. Like I could get it if I wanted to, it didn't matter. But there was always this um, this thought behind it, you know. Oh, like what if someone sees that I bought this? Or what if someone finds out this is my avatar, you know? But now it's like, eh, I like it, so I'm just gonna get it. In the game that I played, they had this like uh, forum as well, where people would rate your avatar and you could like rate other people's avatar. Because I guess in the physical world, if I dress the way I wanted to dress, you know, uh, usually it's not accepted. Uh, but in I guess in the forums, they'll be like, oh, you know, I really like your style. I asked Safia about their project, Gender Explorers, which features similar gaming characters and was first shown at local art space, Softwall Studs. For Gender Explorers, uh, it was tied to sort of this book I'm writing about where the, the book explores like alternative kinships, basically uh, non-nuclear families. And so for that particular video, it was almost like a call or I guess an, a slow advertisement to like um, pe- people who, you know, might, might relate it to queerness, whereas people who might not know of it, won't see it. Just like an just a artifact from that from that world. The character was named Ikan Ibilis. Cause uh I believe it's sort of like a, they believe uh I believe it's like a fallen angel because they refuse to like or, or the version I know of is that uh when God created like Adam and then like he wanted all the angels to like bow to Adam and I believe it was like no, and then like God like made him, like basically like uh took away his like angel status. Yeah. So for me, I guess I saw it as a metaphor where sort of I really just didn't bow to the binary la for me. Like, cause I guess God made like Adam and Eve in His image, you know. Although I know Eve was made from Adam's ribs or something. But uh, I guess when I Ibilis like didn't bow or didn't conform to to that, I felt like I read it as a resistance. Like it's true, you know. Like why should I? If it doesn't fit, it doesn't fit. So I have this future world that I wrote in my book, sort of. Then um, I I feel like my my. I'm sort of like a world builder where uh, I draw from different informations and different sources and then like I I make I, I like just make them together into this nice world I guess my artworks are sort of or my artworks are usually are like artifacts from this world so for me like if the more artworks I build or make the stronger the bridge between 
like the future I want to reach, where I'm maybe happy, and our current present, like the, that bridge becomes stronger. You know, because I guess a good way to think about the future is like it's already here. So if like these artworks are present, that means, uh, at least for me, I, I feel like I'm one step closer to the world I've, I will be happy in. Yeah. So I guess that's that yearning. An artwork that will be coming out soon would be this work I... Uh, I guess it's a result of uh, experimentation with motion capture. I guess it's about um, like as a reflection of a of an office worker got a lot of pains, which I think a lot of office workers face, right? Where like your neck is very strained. Sometimes your hand cramps because I don't know. Then uh, like you feel your lower back hurts. So I self monitored my movements at work. And then I sort of reenacted that uh, in the mo- motion capture studio to sort of like see, I don't know, some- something. Also, that was to capture like the human body's movement in relation to like a object of technology, which was the laptop. Uh, then I realized in motion capture because it- it's also another technology. So I had to like exaggerate and like uh, move very weirdly in order for my avatar to sit the way I was sitting at work. So that that uh, that relation was very interesting. So I just yeah the I guess that's the next work that will come out, this relationship between the body and all these technologies. I think the most discovery I made is probably a very technical one, which is motion capture has its own understanding of bodies that is not really, I guess, not really related to gravity in on Earth. So there's a lot of, like, posts. It makes almost, like, gravity feel unnatural when you work in these kind of, like, 3D animation software. They're all not constrained to any, anything, really. It's, like, even the makeup of, like, 3D modeling uh, you start with like meshes they are like hollow inside and you can start with or you can add any sort of characteristic to to the mesh itself you know a lot of time is to simulate the our physical world right now but I feel like it's to me I that's that's not my that's not why I use 3d animation yeah I, I think that that decoupling from the present world can help to see the world differently. This, this is not the correct phrase to use, but like, like, I think I'm drawn to it because it's it's an alternative where you can really make another world. You can make it look like the our world as well, like the same world, but you could also do more, you know, could do something different and it could exist. Yeah, and having that, that different existence from our current one, it's like when you take a step back at something and you're able to compare and realize that this might not be, or this, you don't have to accept what this is. Like, basically just that refusal to accept this one way of viewing things, if that makes sense. I've been keeping my voice out of the conversations, but in my conversation with Safia, 
there was a little moment that I thought to keep. It was at the very end when I asked Sophia about happiness. I mean, I would like to believe that I'm not the happiest now, you know. I think I will be happier in the future. Over than when I was as a child, yes, definitely. I still love games for what they are. Some games are really beautiful. Like the style and all, the, the, the story, the gameplay. Oh, background music in games is really nice. And I would still enjoy avatars, but I don't think it would be a way, a coping mechanism. Uh, it, I, I would be able to fully enjoy making avatars. Yeah. What a moment to end on. I hope we all build bridges that bring us closer to this happiness. I started Soma Stories around the same time I began to work on my project, Young Body, which looks at avatar creation using my 12-year-old body as a tween TV actor. Resurrecting the character, I Ching, I began too to make worlds to try and offer restitution for myself. Having these simultaneous conversations through Soma Stories has opened up new ways of understanding the body and gently nudged me in new directions. I hope this pilot season has been nourishing for you, guest or reader, as it has been for me. If you have any ideas, thoughts, recommendations, anything really, reach out to me at psxcharmaine at gmail.com. I'm also on Instagram at psxcharmaine. Soma Stories is produced by Artwave Studio in collaboration with Tell Your Children. If you enjoyed listening, continue to support us by leaving a positive review on your listening platform of choice. As always, we've included the relevant links and they can be found on artwave.studio slash somastories. Thank you for listening and bye for now.